is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. Girl, I know my ABCs. We oh, are back on goodness. Let Your Voice Be Heard on 90.3 FM, WHCR, the voice of Harlem. Did I also mention that I'm rocking out on Scatter Radio yes. now? And if you want to get down with Scatter Radio, don't because you're going to be listening to me instead. And then you can make your Scatter Radio afterwards and call it the Stanley Inspiration Show on Scatter Radio, holding it down in the streets, scattered out, radio talk, WHCR. I'm a rapper. I'm out of breath. Jack, you suck. Boom. So only 30% of what Stanley just said is true. Scatter Radio does exist. And you can definitely tune in at scatterradio.com. Everything else was a complete lie. But uh, speaking of lies, there's so much to talk about when it comes to the news roundup. This is the time where we share some of the stories of the week that either touched us, resonated deeper in our soul, or just made us go on a Twitter rant. Um, And if you guys want to share, the number is 212-650-6903. Or you can tweet us at BeHerd underscore radio. So there's like a lot of big news. I think we're going to start off pretty light and then just lead up into the big news. Hey, this is not light news, but I'll just mention that. So our Democratic senator, Chuck Schumer, has come out against the Iran bill. We know that he is the third ranking Democrat in the Senate. He is leading up to become the next Senate majority leader if the Democrats take over the House. And he's also very pro-Israel because he is Jewish himself. And he was like, you know what, Obama? I didn't like Obamacare and I don't like this Iran bill. He voted for Obamacare. That's totally inaccurate. No. Yeah, but he, also, he definitely came out against it too. No, though. no, no. Uh, the Affordable Care Act. He, right, uh, right, that's what I'm saying. That part was inaccurate. He did come out against the Iran deal, but 29 U.S. scientists actually came out in favor of the Iran deal. Uh, leading experts in nuclear weapons and arms control call it an agreement that's innovative and stringent, and that will be good in preventing us from going back to war. Yeah. Also, the fact that he's Jewish, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure that has a piece to do yeah. with it, but um, I don't think everybody that's Jewish is also a Zionist or also necessarily pro-Israel not or every black person critical is Black Lives Israel. Matter, right. as Ben Carson and Don Lemon show us. So not every Jewish person is like a Zionist or pro-Israelite as... And even people that Jack are in favor of Israel are, are in favor of this agreement. I mean, on one hand, you yeah. have APEC, which is like very much against this this agreement. They're very more right, center-right uh, lobbyist group. And then you have J Street, which yeah. is like your left uh, right. group that's also very pro-Israel. That's coming out in favor of this uh, deal and Bernie Sanders came out in favor of this deal and he's Jewish as well. I think it has more to do with Chuck Schumer's constituents. I mean, he's getting a lot of calls and that has to do with lobbying groups like APAC. So I think it's deeper than just Jewish or Israel and and it has more to do with, you know, politics. Yeah, absolutely. And money probably. And maybe donors are not super happy with him, but that's just a, that's just a guess. Yeah, I think it has more to do with donors. Uh, I asked a question about it on Facebook and it went downhill from there. I saw that debate. Yeah. (laughs) This morning, but I wasn't going to get involved in it because I would have been no, I would have been late to the show. I would have probably gotten into debate with one of your friends, um, and then been late to the show. And I did not want to do that this morning. Well, speaking of debates, there was this huge debate on the View when Kelly Osbourne. Well, it started a a huge debate on the internet. So Kelly Osbourne, she was one of the guests on um, the View this week. Well, last week. No, no, no. She, they just have like frequent guest hosts or contributors. Oh, okay. And they were talking about Donald Trump, the favorite, you know, one of the biggest things to talk about right now. And she was like, you know, Donald Trump is, he made racist comments about Latinos. He mm. called Mexicans rapists and, you know, serial killers and et cetera, et cetera. And he was like, and so Kelly said in response, you know, Donald Trump, if we export all the Latinos in the country, 
who's going to clean your toilets? And like Rosie Perez just looked at her and was like, "Um, you know that, you know, Latinos do other jobs besides cleaning people's toilets. And then Raven Simone jumped in. Ruby Goldberg did not jump in. Um, But uh, from there, it just sparked a whole lot of controversy because Kelly was trying to make up. I don't know. She was just trying to make a point that we shouldn't export, export um, or deport. Excuse me. We shouldn't deport all Latinos or undocumented immigrants. But she was saying, like, the reason is because we need low skilled workers. I think she was trying to make a joke a joke and nobody laughed because no obviously i'm not saying that like it was funny but i like i think i would hope that it was just a really bad attempt at a joke it's sort of like a poor taste like she's you know this like rich affluent person that is probably you know she could have made this point where presumably the point that she was trying to make was that he probably exploits low-income and low-wage workers you know or like he gives off that air that you know so many um more conservative politicians have been like found to who I forget who it was I'm last sure. time around that was another Republican candidate for office that um, was very anti-immigration that ha- was hiring undocumented workers. Oh. Um, so she was say- making a point, presumably that you know maybe he takes advantage of these people in that way. But yeah. right to, to say like who's going to do this for you <laughs> is so in poor taste and you know wrong yeah it's just one of those things where people are so out of touch like i was watching exactly last sunday night i was watching i am kate which Mm. i don't know if you've been watching um is the uh caitlin jenner uh show on um e and they were on the bus they were going on this road trip thing and um what these other trans women were trying to explain was that um trans people have a really hard time in the workplace they get fired because of their sec- their gender identity etc and so a lot of times they have to take advantage of social assistance programs and caitlin turned around and made like a very conservative comment about how like well you know sometimes it just makes more sense to be on these programs than to work and then off you know how they like cut to off camera comments and all all these trans women were like she just doesn't get it because she lives in this bubble and she's allowed to be conservative but what she doesn't understand because of her position of being a person of privilege is that a lot of trans women and especially trans women of color they get fired from jobs over and over and over again and if it wasn't for the social programs they wouldn't be able to eat they would have nowhere to live like they would be dead and so it's not that they're taking advantage of the social programs because they don't want to work it's because they keep getting fired because of their of their gender identity and so they have no other choice and I think they didn't. She she's the executive producer. She did not cut that out of the show. And I think what you're going to see is that Caitlyn Jenner is going to become a liberal. But that's just my prediction. <laughs> that's not, her. That's Kate, her Kate, next transformation. That's the next becoming transformation. a liberal. Look at that. She's going to start to get it eventually. Or at well, least I hope so. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Some more armchair liberals. So. Um, <laughs> I would like to shift gears a bit. In case you guys did not know, this is the one-year anniversary of Michael Brown's death. and Or as I like to call, the day I lost all patience and Fs to give for white... um, What was it? White sympathy? Apologists. White White America? Yes. Oh, no, I didn't know what I didn't true. know where he was going with it. No, that's I, not what I he was almost saying. cursed. But yeah, no, but um, yeah, and like they've been having a lot of actions to celebrate this. There's supposed to be a big action today in Harlem, actually, and I'm thinking about possibly going. Um, and just like they've been like talking to a lot of the people who really who've been, really been involved throughout the year in the Black Lives Matter movement, and there was an, a, a nice. And I don't say that in a good way. Interview with Darren Wilson, apparently. Mm. Oh, yeah. We're talking about how hard his life is now. Yes, yes, yes. How hard Oof. his life and is. And he totally missed the boat on the institutionalized racism thing. Oh. Like, right over his head. Mm-hmm. Wave goodbye. Yep. 
and how like his mother was a thief and she used to like steal money from people and and run scams but she was a good person but michael brown was just uh, mm. that young negro you know speaking of this did you see that uh, apparently a law enforcement group is in some hot water because of a very racist thing they've been sharing around the internet i saw you that, see yes. that. What, what is that what is yeah. that um, so it's a plaque and it's sort of written out as a poem um mm. but it is uh here lies here lies michael brown who um act like a thug a cop put him down oh and then um and and now all the people want to cry go in the streets and riot something while, along like, those lines it. blatant. yeah i mean yeah. it is um you know have some couth right you know yeah. like people are allowed to feel the, the way they're they're allowed about to feel because you have two different things right you have the bigger picture problem of the institutionalized racism right i think that's kind of the thing that like we're trying to combat as civil rights activists but then you also have the you know the individual actors right and there's individual times uh where you know there's questions about whether or not the police were in the right or the wrong and that is separate and apart although related to the bigger picture and so you can feel the way you feel about the events that happened on that day yeah. um, but at the same time you still have to acknowledge the bigger picture those two things have to in some ways be yep. related but be separate and apart because they are two different things yep. and now just to shift gears again and this is not to undercut that like you know Mike yes. Brown's death but also in the same vein so we know the Black Lives Matter movement has been very active in the last year fighting for and standing up for and speaking out for the names of the people who have been killed by um, unarmed while being killed by police and they've been going out to politicians, and one of the politicians mm. they seem to have taken a liking to is Bernie Sanders. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they um, interrupted his um, a forum that he was doing with Mark O'Malley at the Netroots convention, I think about two weeks ago. And you know what? Bernie Sanders responded very poorly. He didn't have good answers, and he said more or less, well, I marched with Dr. King, and if you don't want me here, I won't be here. After that, he became like he started to speak up about like black issues of Black Lives Matter. He came out with a video speaking directly to the black community, saying why he wanted to be their president. And in my opinion, has really changed the tone of like his campaign in, reg- in regards to black issues. Yesterday, in Seattle, he was going to speak to fifteen thousand people, and Black Lives Matter protesters interrupted his speech mm-hmm. again. So um, I, I know I have my opinions on this, but I want to give you guys a chance to respond first. Well, they didn't just like heckle him. They literally got on the stage and started yelling. This is why my black life matters. And this is what I had to do just to let you guys know. I had to go through all of these people just to get up here. And Bernie Sanders stood on the side patiently waiting. And eventually he just walked off the stage without even addressing the crowd. And he was supposed to speak about Medicare, Social Security. He had this whole agenda. He didn't even get a chance to speak. And my reaction was, what is the point of this? I think that the Black Lives Matter movement going about it in this way is not it's not strategic. And I don't think that you're you're helping to galvanize the base around your issue. I think that you are actually turning people off because it's it's like I am a part of the Black Lives Movement. And I'm like, this was very disrespectful. And there's no point of it. Bernie Sanders is on our side. Yes, he can do more. But there's other ways to, to push him and to pressure him to do more. This is not one of those ways. No, I agree with that. I mean, I'm I've been very active in the Black Lives Matter movement and very active just in the civil rights uh, issues in general uh, in the position that I occupied doing civil rights law. And I just don't feel like this was the right way to go about it. Like, I understand the first action and I'm for interruptions and stuff like that. I think that they are useful. But at the same time, when you have a candidate like Bernie Sanders who has come out and cares about these issues and maybe did not address it the way he should have addressed it the first time around, but has changed 
his way of, you know, have not changed his way of thinking, but, you know, said, you know what, they're right. I need to address this issue. And then you continue to do that. I just I don't think it makes the movement look good. It, it, it's, it, it shows in some ways a certain level of immaturity. And if you really want to have gains in this movement, you need to have the maturity level to you don't have to necessarily work within the system, but you have to have the maturity level to be heard in the right way. And I don't, just don't think that was the right way to do it. I don't know. I I don't. I don't think I, I'm against it, but I mean, it certainly, I don't know if it was effective, but I also don't know what the alternative should have been. And yeah. so, and I understand the frustration and I understand the, the you know, want to do something like that. Um, I don't know if it was as effective as something else could have been, but I don't know what that other action is. So I can't really form a solid opinion on it. So Honest here, opinion. here is my thing on it, my opinion on this. The first time, I was absolutely for it because Bernie Sanders was not talking about black issues. Yeah. It was not on his radar. He was like, oh, if you address income inequality, you address issues dealing with people of color. And yes and no, because a big issue in com- communities of color is income inequality and lack of access, but there is still institutionalized racism, and he was not thinking about that. And since then, he has been very vocal on that. Now, I'm saying this because I do not know what their strategy was, what their goal was for this action. And maybe if I did know or maybe if I found out later, I might change my mind. But at this point, I don't see how what they did was was helpful. If they did this to Hillary Clinton or to a Jeb Bush or to someone who's not talking about this or someone who has been like taking advantage of the black community and not like like showing their money, like, you know, practicing what they preach, putting the money where their mouth is, then I can get it. But, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I like the way that he changed his tone after the first time. And at this point, it just I don't politically, it, I don't think it's the best strategy. Um, as far as like the Black Lives Matter movement, I don't understand like why it was helpful. You know, and, and I just wanted to read you a comment that I was reading. And, and, and obviously this comes from Robert Reich, who is a white guy who mm-hmm. like worked, you know, so like I, I'll put that out there and you can feel free to agree or disagree. And I'll paraphrase part of it. But he said that, you know, Sunday marks the first anniversary of the killing of Michael Brown. It's one marker in a long, tragic tale of institutionalized racism and the failure of our system of justice to respond to the constitutional requisite of equal protection under the law. He said it also signifies another failure, the failure of America to fill the prom- promise of equal opportunity and upward mobility. The second failing transcends race. Poor working class and many in the middle class, white, black, and Latino have seen the American dream transformed into a nightmare of joblessness, of insecure jobs and declining wages. Um, And then he ends by saying this. We have no chance of overcoming either either of these, meaning institutionalized racism and income inequality, endemic failures if we do not work together. For years, the right wing has gained political ground by dividing us by race. By all means, let's make a ruckus, but we must direct that ruckus at the moneyed interests and their political puppets rather than at one another. And I think that's sort of the point both you and I are trying to make. Yes and no. Oh, okay. We have to work together, however... There's been a there's been a propensity to put like we'll work together, but your issues have to go to the wayside until we get this victory. And right. I think that is the problem. And if you want to stay in the forefront, that's fine. But he's listening now, so why are we not like trying to influence like the campaign mm. and like his platform? I don't know if it's necessarily if it's necessary to like to be shutting down a speech. I don't know how much that helps. Right. So I'm I'm half I'm half and half with you on that one, Alyssa. All right. Well, um, guys. Before we go to break, I just wanted to throw in really quickly the Allure magazine um, that came out. Uh, the Allure magazine article came out encouraging white women to start wearing afros. However, it was very problematic because it did not acknowledge the significance behind afros, which has been worn with so much black pride, especially in the 60s and in the 70s. And 
to just to mention the fact that I have to go through and a lot of the black women have to go through so many rigorous like a, a strong rigorous process just to get their hair straightened to assimilate I mean there's been times that I wanted to have braids or I wanted to do different hairstyles but people have been like um no because you have a job interview or no because you got to go to work and I know black women who will wear their style wear their hair in a certain style on the weekends and take it out and make it look a, tur- a totally different way when they go to work because you don't want to be that woman Woman, that black girl in the office who gets mistaken for Shanene. So, oh. or, or call that. Like, you know, it's just it's just a stereotype. What's wrong with Shanene? Nothing. But the thing is, we it's just this black stereotype of women. And it's like, if you look like you were born, there's something wrong with that. Mm. So the Law Magazine failed to address that. But on that note, we are going to go on a quick break. But when we come back, we're talking about the Voting Rights Act right here on Let Your Voice Be Heard. Can I keep you 